With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Tennis.com podcast. We're back in New York. Welcoming back Steve Tegner. Richard Pagliaro comes down to Steve made it from across the world. Richard and I made it from the ice and the other remnants from polar vortexes and such. So kind of a good job everybody getting here. Uh, how was Steve? How was Australia? For Australia time? was great. The weather was great. I was glad not to be. It was good here. Yeah. Well, really? it was hot the first week, but otherwise it was good. And the tournament was good. Yeah. You know, it really got better at the end, and you know, I, I thought it was one of the better tournaments I've been to down there. And how are you liking the weather back here? I don't know. I need to find a tournament in February, I think, to go to somewhere. Maybe, maybe, maybe Rio, Cle- Rio Cleveland? for a month. <laughs> maybe no, not Cleveland. Not Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, Rio. It's that's true. Rio gets. Um, Rio gets on the schedule this year, it, and a couple other tournaments get a facelift too. Like um, Acapulco goes a clay to hard. February has kind of um, been shifting a little bit over, you know, from years past. I think I think it gets a, a name as a very slow month of tennis, but there actually is a lot going on you know whether it's whether it's really of subs of great value you know that we're going to look in 10 months from now and remember it you know i don't think you want to go that i think far, a lot of it will have to do with whether nadal goes to goes to buenos aires he's supposed to play buenos aires in rio and he's sort of the reason i think that people are thinking this this south american tour can become bigger he played it last year and but it's sort of it's still a little unclear whether he's going to go to buenos aires i think his back is okay but he hasn't completely decided and especially if I think if down the road, you know, an event like Rio does pick up, it's a 500 event. If if that does tend to generate, you know, interest, I think beyond the typical entrance you'd see down in South America, you know, it, it, ha- it has had that Latin golden clay swing for a while, but that really has been limited to just the, you know, the typical dirt ballers that we see there and. You you can feel kind of a little bit of a, a change bubbling, you know, amongst this month there. Um, the other tournaments of note are going to be in the Middle East. That's for WTA Doha and Dubai. Um, you know, Dubai. That's sorry, Doha precedes Dubai. Doha's first. Yeah, and that's a loaded field every year. You know, obviously there's a lot of money being thrown around there. Um, you know, we're going to see Serena back at that, among others there. Yeah, we have Serena. Uh, Azarenka's pulled out, but um, Serena, Lina, um, Redwanska, most of the other big names. Sharapova's not in it, but but really that's the first tournament where you see some of the Australian Open, some of the storylines there start to start to play out. And it doesn't get a lot of media attention in the West, unfortunately. We sort of focus on Indian Wells next, but 
you know, Doha and Dubai, because of the amount of money that's there, they they get full draws, and they're not the draws aren't big, so there's a lot of good matches right from the start. That's true. Yeah, some of these are as small as 32 player draws. I mean, Richard, do you for these tournaments? And there is a men's one too, of course, in Dubai where Djokovic. He's the two-time defending champion there. They get just as, as stacked of fields for that event. Um, you know, as, as Steve said, these these rosters are as good as Masters events in, in many cases. So, but but do you really value? I guess what I'm trying to say is about this whole month and and these tournaments. Do you value them as really good barometers of where players are at, or is it more kind of still like a money grab event to you? I think there's a there's an element of money grabbing in it, but when, as you guys just said, when you have that kind of depth in the field, I think it's really important. Also, psychologically, remember the year Murray went to Australia, got to the final, lost, and he was just in this malaise for like two months. You see how players respond to, you know, if they had an early loss in Melbourne or if they went deep. You know, I think it's just a good indication of the of the desire and psychologically how they can sort of bounce back from, from that first major, especially because the conditions are so brutal the first week. I mean, how, how do you guys expect Rafa to bounce back from Australia? We just brought up his name, and and it was, you know, obviously from watching that final, it was, it was you know, as clear a day as this was not a, a good injury. Backs in tennis, that, that's never a good thing, of course. And, um, you know, as, we, as I think we've written about, if it wasn't uh, the knees or the hand, it was out of nowhere this back came there. But Rafa is still, you know, tentatively scheduled to play in a clay event, you know, in South America. I mean, what do you see from him this month? Well, last year, that, this was the time of year where he really got back into it. He got his confidence back. He won a couple tournaments down there he, after he'd been out for six months. The only thing I don't like to hear from him right now is he says he's having trouble getting over the loss to Vavrinka mentally. You know, he said he's even admitted that, you know, usually I don't have that much trouble getting over losses because you know but this one was Australian Open final he was a heavy favorite and never even lost a set to Vavrinka he loses that he sort of it seems like right now he's having a little trouble just putting that behind him maybe he needs to play a couple tournaments but but with I feel like with Rafa he has good runs and then he'll he'll go he'll have sort of mediocre runs in his career and he's just come off obviously a great run last year maybe He's he's had trouble sustaining that for two straight years ever. Maybe, you know, maybe this is a point when he may, maybe he'll won't do as well for a while. I could see that happening. Well, I think to me with Rafa referring to that match, I, I think it's I think it's almost as big an example of really this opportunity that that he lets slip away. That's not that it, that is you know it's gone forever. This is a you know Australian Open tournament that he has had difficulty with in the past uh he's you know only quote-unquote had one title there um I I think so I think many of us had our stories kind of written after that Federer match with Rafa and I think for good reason there was almost no there was almost no you know logical way to back Ravrinka in in that match and you you see how it turned out and 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 I do think back to where you know Maybe you think about how when Federer played Del Potro in the Open there, and Federer had did have control of that match. This is obviously under different circumstances, one injury based, and and these are opportunities that just don't come around again. And and you know, Grand Slam titles are of course hard to win on as hard to win as they can be on their own there. So so I think Rafa perhaps ha, has that you know still in the mind there, and, and we have to see where he comes back physically too. Um, you know that that's on the men's side there. Um, you know the women's women's side. 
we just mentioned Azarenka, you know, taking, you know, with two tournaments off here with a with an injury, and she went out in Australia in a in a very poor way too, you know, in playing and losing so badly the third set to Radwanska. Um, you know, maybe after the first couple of times we've seen her this year, I mean, what do we think of her you know, really going forward? She is still number two. Um, Maybe, certainly not a convincing one, probably at this point. And Lee Na is only a couple points away from overtaking her. Actually, I would say based on current form, you have to put Lee Na ahead of her. Although the rankings say otherwise, I was a little surprised with Azarenka that she wasn't able to sort of reset during at any point during that Radwanska match, where it was sort of the younger. She sort of reverted back to her younger self, where it would be injuries, or she would just get a little bit down on herself and it all kind of snowballed on her whereas we've seen her in the last few years where she's able to shake off a poor set or a five game swing and come back break right back that was a little disturbing to me that she wasn't able to sort of reset and also that she's worked so hard moving forward where she just botched a lot of you know a lot of pretty makeable shots I thought stepping into the court and that's something she had really felt added and refined to her game so I mean, I think she'll be fine in the long run, but right now the confidence can't it can't be great right now. It's also not a great start for her because she always starts so fast. She right. won the last two Australian right. Opens. She won the last two in Doha, and she's not going to have any of that coming in. Right, and she's not a clay. She year. doesn't like the clay as much, so she usually built, especially in the Mid East. She she's she's done well, so that's it'll be interesting. Maybe almost put more pressure on her going into Indian Wells, Miami. You know, what do we think about Lee also in in you know, this month, I, I, she is going to be in Doha, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, I wonder if this is really shaping up as a, as a very good year for her that, that, uh, you know, I don't think we've talked too much about where Ravrinka and Lee, for example, can make this as more than just the Australian Open for them in, in this 2014 season. And, I, and you know, it's going to be, extremely hard for Ravrinka to duplicate a feat like that at at a major just such a colossal achievement you know Leaf that's a different case I think in in her she you know she really I think only has to get around Serena in a way whether you know it's by her own doing or you know as we've seen Serena can you know go down of course she's not invincible obviously you know, Lee has won the French Open, of course. We obviously know she's a good hardcore, great hardcore player. I mean, this could really, um, you know, I think the sky is kind of the limit for her after what we've seen. And I think winning that tournament in particular, um, you know, after having two final round kind of slip-ups there after leading, I think that speaks very highly for what we could see Lee do, perhaps along the lines of what Serena was doing you know, the past couple of years. Uh, yeah, I think the upside is that it's not just a fluke one-off win for her. She's been good for the last six months, con- you know, really consistently. She was never consistent in the past, but I think working with Carlos Rodriguez, she's really, you know, she she was really a consistent player for the, for the second half of 2013 for the first time, and this this was sort of the cap capstone to that. The, the caution is she didn't beat anybody in the top 20 in the in the Australian Open. She didn't beat any of the players really around her she obviously didn't beat Serena so she still has to still has to prove that she also was five inches away from she was also there. a down a match point yeah. in the first week so so there's all all of that to, to consider and she's 31 going to be 32 pretty soon but um 
But I think she'll react to this Grand Slam win better than the last time. In 2011, she won the French Open. She barely won anything the rest of the year. So, I, you know, we'll see what happens. And this is a big, big tournament for her in Doha to see whether what she whether she can back that win up right away. Good way to bring it back to that, yeah. Um, the other events going on this month is the Fed Cup, which is which takes place this weekend. Um, this is another tournament that's pretty riddled with, you know, no term is riddled with pullouts like Fed Cup is and has been. If you remember, last year in the final, Russia could barely field a competitive team, uh, and you know that's the final. Uh, the first round is, you know, sort of a lot of the same with that. You have, um, you know, Kvitova's out of that. Uh, if you take a look at the U.S.-Italy tie that's going to take place this weekend, both of those teams are a shell of what they could be, even. You know, it's not you're not seeing Serena Sloan, but you're also not even seeing a Ronnie Vinci. And these are the defending champion teams I'm, t- I'm referring to: Italy, Czech Republic, in previous years. Here, um, you said Sloan had a pretty, pretty nice remark about uh, the rock and roll city in Australia. Yeah, I guess she's not a Cleveland Browns fan. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what you know, she uh, basically said that uh, February in Cleveland doesn't interest her too much. You can understand some of the players, you know, right after Australia that making that sort of a commitment. But it is like when you look at Russia and Mesquina is the name that jumps out on you and she's the captain, you know, it's it is it's it's kind of depressing. It's kind of sad. I don't think it would have jumped out of me even when she was playing, <laughs> yeah. let alone. I think it has a lot to do with the schedule. Too. Yeah, the, the Davis, schedule is, Davis is, Cup. They went a couple of years ago, went to a schedule where they had the tournament. They had the rounds immediately after the Grand Slams. It was you know, the next weekend. And that was sort of, I think they shied away from that in the past because they didn't think players would want to come out of a Grand Slam and go straight to Davis Cup. But, but they decided to try it because they thought that might be better than waiting the way um, that actually worked out not as well to wait because it got into, the schedule went got into conflicts with other tournaments. And I think that's what you have with Fed Cup. One thing you have with Fed Cup this week is it it's a big conflict with Doha coming up right after it, you know, to go from... Australian Open to Fed Cup to Doha. Pretty much only Red Wanska's doing that 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 I know of, and she she'll play anything. But but I think that maybe Fed Cup needs to think about what the Davis Cup did. Yeah, and you know for Doha, it's it's players that could be stationed anywhere in the globe. You know, having to make a flight, uh, you know, to obviously thousands of miles away potentially. You know, for that. Um, one other uh, ITF note this week is on the heels of of Switzerland winning their Davis Cup tie, of course, with Federer. You had the announcement from him that he indeed is going to play in the quarterfinal round, and you can only assume that means the rest of the tournament. Um, so Switzerland, you know, they win 3-0, as you would certainly think they would with Federer Varenka and playing a Serbian team that didn't have Djokovic or didn't have anybody else uh, of you know, of great competition against them. And uh, things are, you know, this is a story that we were here last week and and it was a total surprise to me when Federer said he was going to play. And then about five minutes later, it was like, oh, they they have to be the conclusive favorites in this entire tournament here. And they're going to get a relatively easy next match at home against Kazakhstan. Um, They, and, and, 
you know, from that point on, it really doesn't matter where they play or who they play. They're going to be the favorites anywhere if if those two are healthy. You know, you know, what do you you know think about all this? You know, this development here. This this certainly is as little as I think we're going to be talking about Fed Cup. We're going to be potentially talking a lot more about Davis Cup, especially um, if, as assuming Switzerland goes on and, and stays in the semifinal round, give a lot of life to the post U.S. Open stretch of events. Yeah, I think. Um... It's, it was a surprise that Federer did it, but it makes total sense. He wasn't playing Rotterdam. Um, this was a real opportunity for them to win. A, uh, they were playing Serbia without Djokovic or Tipsarevic or Troitsky. So it was a real, you know, that was a re- very, that was a good tie to, to jump in on. Um, I think one thing that's interesting in the past maybe five years, we've seen a lot of Djokovic and Nadal in Davis Cup this year for the first time in a long time we'll see Murray and Federer you know Murray now goes with Great Britain to play Italy in Italy which is a tough tie but if they win and Switzerland wins they would play in Great Britain in the semifinals that would be in that you know that would be definitely a big tie to talk about that would be you know in the summer Um, but I think yeah I think you're right Switzerland with Federer and Vavrinka they have to be they have to be the favorites the the two-time defending champs are the Czechs and they would be a tough team. Federer and Wawrinka would still be the favorites over them, but Burdich is for the Czechs is talking about not maybe not playing as as much. So, and, and if he doesn't play against Japan, that's a that's yeah. a that's a, almost a toss up, I would say, because they're going to Japan. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that is actually not a that's not an easy. Uh, the other half, yeah, the other half of the draw is pretty interesting. You have Czechs against Japan. You also have Germany playing France. Playing France, Germany ends up sweeping. You know, also very depleted Spain squad there. Somebody, somebody actually made a good point about Germany. They actually, the top to bottom, their team is pretty solid actually with a lot of the players they have. Um, but they, you know, France is with you know Monfils is like a three on their team. That's yeah. that really I think is what a lot of people are looking at is down the road is you may, you may see Federer and Rinka end up going to France for you know. A potential final there, um, you know Murray's. That's another you know a good one to bring up there, and we covered the U.S. Britain tie pretty extensively over the weekend, Rich and um, and for Murray, you know, that was a, I, I think a fantastic win for him on that fourth day over Query there, um, as as part of the epilogue for the U.S. There, I mean, I mean I think either you know regardless of the fact that. Isner did not show up there. I thought this was a pretty low point for the U.S. team as a whole. And, um, you know, he had Query going down and really just in flames against James Ward on the first day. Um, you know, Donald Young was certainly overmatched against Murray early on. But I think this is, I think this has to be considered a pretty disappointing, you know, position for the U.S. to be in losing at home. And I think, I think by now, I think they would have expected this team, this is the post-Roddick and Blake team, you know, with the Bryans as the constant, to kind of really have their own, you know, have their own way. And this is a, it just did not come together in San Diego whatsoever. Um, you know, Clay, of course, being an interesting service yeah. choice, but I don't think that was the issue there. 
Um, yeah, any thoughts on kind of where they go? You know, here, it was maybe? sad. It was sad to see Query because I felt like that three-hour match was almost a, a microcosm of his career, where he shows you he's up five-zero, out five-one after seventeen minutes. He shows you he can be dominant for stretches. He can sort of get himself into trouble in tie breaks, and then he showed you in five sets why he has such a poor a poor record. So it, it was sad to see it, and also from an enthusiasm standpoint, I wasn't there, but watching it. It just seemed like the bench wasn't helping him. The fan, I mean, he's a tough guy to, to engage with because he's not like Erotic or, or Agassi or McEnroe who were Davis Cup stalwarts where they really fire up the crowd and feed off that. That's not his way, and you can't ask him to change his his personality. But the, the time where he really could have used the boost, I felt like he wasn't getting it. I mean, but ultimately it's on his shoulders. When you serve that big and you get broken five times in a row, you have no mm. business winning the match. It, it was just sad to see a guy just completely because he gave so much to that point. And it's just like for him to win a five, it's sort of a perverse thing to, for him to get the confidence that he can get across the line in five sets. He's got to win one of these close ones. And I remember the Wimbledon loss to Silich like 17-15. He lost a five-setter to Varenka at the open where he Blake gets... for a while had a terrible... Yeah, exactly. And he gets to the, to the edge and then, I mean, but I just felt this time around, once it got to the fifth, I felt he had almost no shot. I mean, as sad as that sounds, it just felt he just looked beaten. You know, mm-hmm. and, and and it was sad. It was it was tough to watch because he's a good guy. He works hard. He just did. He just couldn't seal it. With Donald Young, I mean, I can't. Not that you give him a pass, but I really didn't expect him to win a set in that match. And for me, it's a similar issue with him where he leaves the backhand short, and so they pound the backhand. And then when he gets the forehand, he'll start overplaying it because he feels I really got to do something now on the forehand. And and. And it was just and Murray's a, the kind of the worst. Yeah, guy and Murray's a worse guy. It's a yeah. even I know he's beaten him at Indy one. It's a, it's a bad matchup for him. You know, you'd like to see them sort of build, but where do you, where do you who do you choose to build on, and where do you go? That's really where from I here. I mean, if I'm Courier, I'm thinking, hey, it's wide open every tie. Whoever's playing well, that's the guy I'm going with because none of these guys have really shown you for the long haul that you that they can be a foundation. I mean, Isner when he's healthy, he's had some huge wins. And the clay, I don't think, was a wise decision, and people bring up Freiburg, but you had elevation in Freiburg where you had the altitude helping the big servers, and you don't get that here. So now you're asking Query to construct points on clay in the fifth set with the pressure. It's just not a good recipe for him. Well, that's uh, sort of a <laughs> – I mean, a, I, I, you know, not, yeah, I don't mean to Tell be – Tell me how you, you really know, feel. Right, yeah. right. I mean, it was just – I do feel bad for the. I really do. I really and do. And now the U.S. has to go to relegation too. Right. They're out of right. Now, what if they have to go to Argentina or somewhere like or they, Spain or, or to know? play uh, Djokovic or, or Rafa? Uh, right. Be called to play on. Rel- you know, that's a lot of people mentioned that there was there's a, a going to be a glut of you know traditional powerhouse nations right. playing that round. Um, and you could bet red clay might be in their immediate future too. You know, on, on an oppo- if it's an opposing. Uh, uh, country, so it's it's tough. It was tough to see. It was nice to see the Bryan sort of inject some some life there, but you know it's one match. Yep, I think uh, letdown for them. Letdown Super Bowl the following day. Letdown weekend, I think for the for the U.S. <laughs> all around. Um, 
Although Murray, you know, I have to say, watching him, he's a really good doubles player. I would give him a, if they get through Italy, I'd love to see them up against Switzerland because he's he's dangerous and even though he doesn't play a lot of doubles, he's really tough in doubles. He didn't play doubles. Neither did Federer and Wawrinka actually, right, which right. I thought was a mild surprise. But, but you have to think you'd see all those guys on the double if they if that ever came off that semi. You'd have to think they'd all be playing. And I think this was a good weekend for for Murray, the opposite direction of the U.S. He. He came out of Australia. He wasn't very happy after the loss to Federer. I obviously didn't like losing to Federer in the quarters, but he's, he wasn't happy about his back. He seemed pretty unsure. He's, I could have sworn for a second he was going to, in the press conference, he was going to say he was pulling out of Davis Cup. I think he was really thinking about it, but he didn't. And it's good because he, I feel like this weekend was a big confidence builder for him to play, you know, to play some pretty tough clay court tennis, physical tennis, right. and to get through it. Um, I, th- you know, I think that's a little bit of a turnaround for him. He made a good point after the query match. He said that was one of the tougher matches he's played in a while. He said that. The first two sets were, were neck and neck, and he said what he did in the third was just try to take a little pace off on the serve to Query's backhand, make him generate his own pace, and I thought that's that's exactly what Ward did the first match at the end. Just three-quarter serves, kicking him into his backhand, let him try to create something, and he struggles to do that on the, on the backhand. Yeah. Very good. Potpourri podcast. Uh, We touched on a lot of things. We will be back uh, next week with more during Doha. I have plenty more to talk about as well, I am sure. So thank you, Steve Tigner, Richard Pagaro, and Ed McGrogan. Thanks for listening to Tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.